Welcome back to the Mostly NBA Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3. This is Michael Higgins. I'm Andy Darmody. And we're a little shorthanded today. We're recording without our third host, our partner in crime, Matt LeVay. But he will be uh, calling in in just a bit here to give his opinion on some things that we're set to talk about. So we're excited for that. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of a shorter episode this time around. It's almost Christmas time. It's finals week. Finals week. I mean, we're all tired here. So... Let's just get right into I mean, it. Why are we even doing this podcast? I know, Michael? honestly. Didn't want to come in today, but it's for you guys. It's for the it's for the listeners. By the way, for new listeners, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at, at the Mostly NBA. Um we've been doing a lot of polls over there, uh, talking about some things going on. Uh just quick little tweets that you can enjoy from us. So that's another way to get in touch. Um so we're gonna go straight into power rankings because we just want to talk about the teams at the top. It's you know it's getting towards the Christmas part of the NBA season. Storylines have kind of settled down. We're starting to get a look at you know really who these teams are. Um, so Aiden and I just talked about these. We already set up our top five so that we can go right into it. And let's start at the bottom, Aiden. Um, we argued a little bit over this for a second, but the San Antonio Spurs are coming in at our fifth spot um, ahead of honorable mentions in the Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks, and did you have anybody else in those honorables? No, not really. Not really Minnesota? No, I, Minnesota hasn't been playing well enough. I mean, their defense is really shoddy. I I, I just, I, I want to like Minnesota. I was going to say, we want them to be in these so badly. <laughs> like, I, we want I still it. think that they're a couple years away. And I mean, I, it's, and I think it's hard for me to wrap my head around it a little bit because this is Andrew Wiggins' fourth year in the league, Carl Anthony Towns' third year in the league. So I do feel like that they should be more progressed by now but i think andrew wiggins is what still only 22 23 right and towns is 2021 20, so i i it's it's you still need to realize that they're still very young and i think they're a couple years away but still holding out hope that they can i mean it is only december so uh, yeah there's a lot of there, there i mean i wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs that's for sure but i I still, I don't think, I mean, I think they're a second round knockout to either the Rockets or the Warriors. Okay, but that's a, that's a good step up for them to already yeah. be saying they're a second round knockout. So yeah. that's pretty good. They've reached Clippers stage. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost in the first round, though. Yeah. I yeah. just don't think that they're there. I mean, I could go on about Tibbs. I don't know how good of a coach he is. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion. Right now, they have three players in the top. 15 in the league in minutes per game and that I mean that's always been Tibbs problem is he runs players into the ground I mean Luau Deng looked like a 40 year old man when he was 32 because of the minutes play and I think that that might be a little bit of cause for concern but um I mean I don't know I think I want them to be a lot better than they are so are you saying that you don't think that they have the hope to even get there this season because I mean we did say it was the middle of the season, like sort of getting towards that Christmas area, but yeah. it's still a very new team. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I think they'll improve a little bit. Uh, I just don't think that they have like nothing about them wows me. I I feel like they should be better than they are. When you look at them on paper, I think that they should be better than they are. Okay. Well, definitely improved. I think maybe. We might even be getting too excited about them getting so ahead that we're, we want to put them 
higher than they are, and they're just not there yet. Yeah, so. I mean, certainly improved from last year where they didn't even make the playoffs, and right. I, I absolutely expect them to make the playoffs this year. And if they don't, if they somehow didn't, that would be an absolute failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just think I thought with Jimmy Butler coming in and another year of progression for Wiggins, another year of progression for Towns, I expected. I mean, I didn't expect them to be any higher than the fourth seed because of the Rockets and the Warriors and the Spurs, but I expected them to be a better looking four seed. I think that's that's pretty impressive though for right now. I think to be the fourth seed in that West, there's not a lot going on in the West, but even to be leading that pack of you know the next tier under the Rockets, Warriors, and Spurs, I think that's a pretty that's a that's a good leap to have made already because um, you don't want to start slow because it can you don't want to dig a hole for yourself like we've seen. You know, we've seen the Magic do that before. You know, I mean, the te- thunder, teams that start to like storm the back. The Thunder, thunder yeah. No, I called the Thunder hole. really wrong. I was, I was very high on the Thunder. I think a lot of people were to start the season, and they're, they look awful. Well, let's get back to the Thunder because I do want to touch on them. But we'll we'll start again at the bottom with the five. We've got the San Antonio Spurs. They've been playing without Kawhi Leonard all basically season. all season, um, and they're playing well. Which Aldridge has stepped up a lot. They're they're quietly you know back they're only two games back from the warriors and two and a half games yeah, back from the so, rockets i mean they're sitting there quietly at the top of the west basically and i mean getting Kawhi back that easily makes up for a two game differential between those two teams yeah like, i don't think it's out of the question i don't think they will but i wouldn't be shocked if within a month the spurs were the number one seed in the west once because Kawhi is expected to come back uh tomorrow right as of this podcast. Right. I think adding a two-way talent like Kawhi Leonard to any team instantly gives you more hope. But when you're already sitting basically on the top of your conference, that's what got the Spurs into these top five. I mean, nothing really phases them. They're such a, a sound it's all veteran I team. Mean, it is, but it, it's, the, it's the culture, too. Yeah, absolutely. That they've all bought into. Absolutely. So I think that speaks volumes for the culture of the San Antonio Spurs that – you know they're going without their best player for a long stretch of time, and there they are, right at the top of the West again. So yeah. that's that's all I've got on the Spurs right now. Um, do you have anything to add to that? No, I, I think with that about covers the Spurs. I mean, we won't really know what they are until they get Kawhi back, right? Um, which could be could be scary. We'll yeah, see. Which, I mean, I mean. They they dominated the Warriors in that first game last year until we, lo- I mean, we love talking about that. We first do. Game. <laughs> I mean, it was such a small sample size, yeah. but they made the Warriors look silly for the first three quarters of that game until Kawhi went. And down. I don't think we're anticipating too much. I don't think I, I would not expect the Spurs to struggle like getting him back into the. Oh lineup. no, not because he's not he's not the type of player that is a. Is, I mean, he's going to wreak havoc on an already set. Exactly. You know, established. He's he's a. He's a great player, and he is a and he has the ability to score and be a ball dominant player. But he doesn't need to absolutely have the ball. Like right. he doesn't mess up what they want to do offensively at all. So it'll be interesting to see where where they are the next uh, installment of this. Um, let's go to number four, the Boston Celtics. They had gone on an absolute tear. You know, they went on that what was it a sixteen game winning streak, fifteen game winning streak uh, yeah. earlier on, and. As we speak right now, they're twenty-three and five, um, well atop the Eastern Conference. But they had the gap closed up a little bit by uh, Toronto and Cleveland, who both went on uh, very nice stretches of their own. So Boston hasn't even really leveled out, though. They, they it's not like they're losing a bunch of games. Um, as I'm looking right here, it's seven, they're seven and three in their last ten. Um, 
they're doing it all without Gordon Hayward, who just got out of his walking boot, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, he said, I, I don't know how likely it is, but he said he's hoping to somehow play. I I don't know how. I wouldn't buy into that quite yet. Um, but, you know, that being said, they're still missing him and doing this all without him. The thing that has bugged me about Boston, and not as a biased Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I have nothing against Kyrie Irving. People are saying that Kyrie Irving is in the MVP discussion. And when you look at his numbers, they're, they're slightly worse than his numbers last year with Cleveland. I mean, yeah, I like Kyrie's a great player, but I mean, he's averaging 20, 23.7 points a game and five assists per game. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Those that's, are Kyrie numbers. Those, yeah, those are good numbers. And I'm not going to disrespect those numbers. Those are very good numbers. But I mean, LeBron's averaging what, 29. Eight and well, eight or so, and we'll get some and, LeBron too. And Giannis is is balling out right. also. I mean, it's I I wouldn't even say Steph is in the top four or five right now. It, it, it's a nice narrative, I think, with the whole Kyrie goes to Boston, Gordon Hayward goes out, and Kyrie is becoming this MVP caliber player leading them. But it's just not true. Al Horford has been just as important, if not more so, to the Celtics runs. And I mean, they're two young players, and Jalen Brown and T- Jason Tatum oh, they've have been also, absolutely. It's, they've been incredible, and I think. And that's what the Celtics are. They're they're a well coached team that plays really well together. And they've got a lot of pieces you need. Yeah, exactly. They've got a lot of good role players that fill big roles and do it happily. I mean, like you just said, Brown and Tatum. Is there a better one two in the league of guys who have just come into the league? I mean, they, I mean, they I are say, already. I mean, you could say Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. True. Yeah, that's that's right up there. But you know, even saying that, you've got. There's such big pieces of a rotation of a team that's leading a conference already. Yeah. That bodes very well for their future. Um, and not even, you know, long-term future. I'm talking short-term. They get Hayward back, say, in the playoffs, if that happens. If not, for the next year or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have already become huge pieces to that rotation, which I don't really think anybody quite expected. They've I, had to step up in, you know, with injury absences. And I think that, that, that obviously the injury to Hayward was terrible for this team, but I do think that that it allowed Brown and Tatum to grow as players. Because Brown, Tatum, and Gordon Hayward, they're all small forwards, except they were going to try and play all three of them in the same starting lineup. I think the important thing to note is that they're not all the same small forwards. That's though. that's absolutely true, but they're all wing players. And I think, obviously, Gordon Hayward is the most talented out of those three, and he's the veteran, and they paid him the big contract to come to Boston. So he would have been the more ball dominant player out of those three and I think he would have stunted their progression as players if 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 he had been playing right now I don't think you'd see anywhere close to the same production you think he would have stunted their development or just their current numbers production because I think both I mean I think think that they're being thrown into the fire more so than and I in a good way I think they're being thrown into the fire I think I think they're being allowed to be the two and the number two and three option on the team. I mean, obviously there's Al Horford, so it's kind of like two A, two B, and two C right. there. But I think um, they're like they're not being held back at all. They they have a green light to to run the offense and to do what they want to do. Obviously, it all runs through Kyrie. But I think with Hayward there, it would have stunted that a little bit. And something I'll say about both uh, Brown and Tatum that I can't say for all rookies, they don't look jittery at all. They are they seem so confident and comfortable already being where they are and they know what's expected of them. I have not seen any kind of like rookie slumps or anything from these two. I mean, it's it's they've been so good in their own roles for this team. Yeah, and I mean you t- you just obviously you touched on their age. That is the one reason for me 
why I still think the Cavs are obviously the team to beat in the East. I mean, the two reasons why the Cavs are still the team to be in the East is, I mean, the Celtics are built around Kyrie and then two very young players. In an Eastern Conference final games, final game against LeBron James, I, I, I don't, I'm going to go with LeBron in that. You know, I don't expect two young players, one's a second-year player, one's a rookie, to be able to step up and dominate in the Eastern Conference. I think I'll hesitantly agree with you there. I think I would like to see it because the Celtics are tougher than just a young team that's good. I mean, I think they've, they're getting to a point way faster than we thought they would. <laughs> they're getting to be the team that pretty soon is going to be the team to be in the East, and we'll see if you know how long Cleveland can stick around based on their youth. I mean, the Celtics are, they went from what, a couple years ago, an eight seed, 500 team, and, you know, they cash in on all these picks with, you know, from the Nets. Yeah. They, they get the young stars and Irving and Hayward, and they completely turn around the direction of their team, um, you know, in the process losing Isaiah Thomas. But in doing that, and going from Thomas to Irving, cutting off, what, five years at the point guard position? Yeah. I mean... And they're going to save money, too, because Isaiah is a free agent after this year. Right, so they have they have totally changed their near future outlook and i think it's scary i think the things that they're doing you know this is a team that looks like it's going to be around for a while absolutely so with that you know we'll go into who we have at three the cleveland cavaliers you know the Cavs started really poorly a four and seven record to start the season and then they People rattled were off. worried about them yeah they rattled off 13 in a row like it was nothing i mean the the bench really stepped up. Dwayne Wade started uh, playing, playing really well. Really well. It was very dependent. You know, Jeff Green started playing really well, and LeBron. I don't even know what else you can say about this man. I mean, the, the, somehow the media is going to find a way to not give LeBron the MVP, which is ridiculous. That guy should have like eight straight MVPs now. They're going to find a way to not give it to him, but the guy's the MVP. But the interesting thing is. Those other years, there were more compelling cases against giving it to him. I mean, Curry in those two years was absolutely dominant. You you almost could not give it to him. Curry but, the second year. That first year Curry won it, I, I don't think he should have won it. Who did you think should have won it there? Uh, was that the year? Harden was in there. Yeah, and uh, Harden should have won it that year. I, I mean, I was on the Harden train yeah. that year, and I was on the Harden train last year. With I mean, Westbrook. still, honestly, I think LeBron actually— I. No joke. I think LeBron should have won the MVP for the past and and that's eight years. that's an argument. Yeah, you, you, that you can make that you know that it got boring. That's and we talked about this before. We yeah. we had talked about it on a different episode. How it's people are just so used to his incredible production that, that they take it for granted. Right. That when someone else steps up, they're like, okay, that guy's the MVP. But for this year, I think there aren't a lot of those compelling cases quite yet. So I think you know Giannis is one you can look at. I think, but LeBron is shooting from three better than he ever has in his career. And all, the rest of his numbers have pretty much been stable. And he's been taking over fourth quarters. I mean, very dominant in those fourth quarters where he was, you know, in the middle of this 13-game win streak. He was averaging something like, it was like 35 points per 36 minutes or something like that. It was something ridiculous it, just in those fourth quarters that he absolutely would just take over. And the Cavs were pretty much winning at will when they wanted to in the fourth. You know, that streak was snapped recently. But I think that was so good for a team that really didn't have an identity yet. And now, you know... There's the off the court issues with Derrick Rose that he's kind of starting to work him, himself back, and we'll see, you know, what happens with that. Which honestly, I that was a problem that I had with the Cavs is that they were so dependent. They were totally fine with Derrick Rose shooting 17, 18 shots a game, which I didn't get. Like he's not an efficient player, and it doesn't work. It, it, it was it, not working. It doesn't. It it really doesn't. I mean, he's at this point in his career. I think what he should be is he's 
plays 15 minutes a game and plays with all the other bench players. And then he's the ball dominant player of, of the bench. But what they were trying to do was have him be the starting point guard, play 30 minutes a game and be a ball dominant player next to LeBron, which made no sense to me whatsoever. And he's not a good defender. Right. His, his type of point guard isn't going to fit on a team where you need Kevin Love to be a role player like he is coming off of screens that he's getting these passes from LeBron who's driving and kicking. I've, I think having Derrick Rose in there, having the ball in his hands so much kind of disrupts that whole thing. Yeah. And I almost, you know, as a Cavs fan. I mean, to me, he's kind of a very, he's a worse and lower basketball IQ version of Dwayne Wade. That's what he is to me. He's a slasher who doesn't really have much of a jump shot. That's that's kind of and that's he's a very similar player and play style to Dwayne Wade. The difference is that number one, the age, but number two, Wade ad- I mean, adapts to the role expected it, of him very exactly. well. And and that's what I mean by a lower basketball IQ is Wade understands what he is at this point in his career, and he understands what the team needs from him. I don't think Derrick Rose fully fully gets that still. So I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do when he does come back. Hopefully Isaiah's back by then. Well, so. that's the, the other point is Thomas looks crazy close to coming back. He's close. He's very, he's really close. You know, they had said early in the season, you know. January, February. January. And then he said he was targeting Christmas, which everyone was like, okay, well, of course he is targeting Christmas. But, you know, he's not going to be back by then. Yeah. But he has... He seems like he's very close. It seems like we're close to hearing word about something, you know, some started, sort of timetable. Yeah, he started playing in four-on-fours right. in practice. He, he's getting really close. And, and if, his attitude, he is so hungry to yeah. get back out there, and especially if, the whole thing that went down with the Boston trade. Mm-hmm. He's ready to get out there with his teammates that are now winning in front of his eyes. And if LeBron and Isaiah can work out a chemistry and learn how to play together quickly, it's going to be nasty. I mean, I, I still don't know how, how a championship would work with them against the Warriors, but I, I think they would if they can figure out how to play together, they're going to lock up the Eastern and if, Conference. And if there's somebody who can figure out how to play with uh, a weapon like that, someone who was, what, a top three points per game scorer last year, it's going to be LeBron. He's yeah. gonna, They're going to find a way. I mean, LeBron's the highest basketball IQ player in the history of the NBA. And it's not only about himself. He knows how to find the best out of the other four guys on the court. Absolutely. So I think that could get pretty scary with them coming back and uh as a Cavs fan I don't necessarily want Rose to be in the way of that I don't know how many minutes he's going to be getting uh Calderon's been playing all right as a backup point guard they don't really have a point guard right now and if they put Derrick Rose in a bench role is he going to then have to be playing with Dwayne Wade which also I don't think they match up very well together either that's a weird backcourt yeah I don't I I don't see how where Derrick Rose fits on this team anywhere I don't think he's same I never did I didn't get it at all. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a splash. It was a splashy little uh, cheap signing in free agency, but I didn't get it. I mean, if they could somehow get at the trade deadline, uh, I mean, they don't need a great backup point guard, but someone who can come in and just run the offense a little bit and spread the floor, I, I think that that'd be nice. Because you you can't really expect that in your shooting guards. Maybe Wade more so than like J.R. Smith, more so than Iman Shumpert. I mean. Those guys are very set in what their roles are. I mean, Wade could play if Wade. If you told Wade we need you to play point guard and be an actual point guard, I would I, trust him more as can, a backup point guard than Derek Rose. He can do that. I mean, early, early on in his Heat days, he he played point guard. Uh, intermittently, he would play point guard and he would run the offense. I mean, obviously, he's always been a ball dominant player, but he would 
actually play point guard. And I think he could do that. I don't know if Tyron Lue would want to do that. But um, I, I, I would rather have him play point guard than Derrick Rose. And another thing I want to touch on that you just made me think of, in that 13-game stretch, I, I've been very harsh on my thoughts on Tron Lue and how he has been running the rotations. He was finding the rotations that worked, and he was leaving them out there for as long as they would work. So credit to him for, you know, early on in the season, he was doing a different starting lineup every night. He was rotating players at weird times. He's gone with the hot hand pretty much and what has worked. Um and a lot of people were commenting on that when, you know, he w- would leave in a lineup, you know, something like uh, something like Wade, LeBron, and having Channing Frye at the five in the fourth quarter, things like that, where he's not too quick to change lineups and disrupt chemistry. So credit to Lou. I just wanted to say that because I've been really tough on it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens when they get these players back. Because also Tristan Thompson is due to come back this week. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot coming back when you have – to figure out how to get Derrick Rose yeah. in there and, and Isaiah Thomas. Figure out how to use Isaiah Thomas and then Thompson's back. That takes away this whole small ball lineup that they've been running. I mean, LeBron's pretty much been playing well, LeBron isn't really a position, but he's pretty much <laughs> he's pretty much been playing a four. Yeah. And Love has been a very, very stretch five kind of guy. I mean, I would love it if they could find some way to trade Tristan Thompson. I mean, I love Tristan Thompson. I love his effort and the hustle he brings but and you his also rebounding think he ability. Fit with this team? He doesn't fit at all with this team, and he doesn't fit again. The, what the Cavs have to be doing is they have to be building. Every single move that they make has to be, how does this move make it easier to beat the Warriors? That's what every single move that – they shouldn't worry about the Celtics. And that's LeBron what we've James about is before. LeBron James. He's going to – LeBron James is making the NBA Finals. I don't care what anyone says. Until he doesn't, I'm going to assume LeBron's making the Finals, and I don't care about what anyone in the East is doing. And that's what we've talked about before. The new This era of the NBA is you're gearing up to for a potential to showdown with Golden State. Yeah, and I think that you they need to look at themselves and be like, yeah, we love Tristan Thompson, what he's given this team in the past, but he's, what, $18, $19 million a year player, and he doesn't he doesn't fit with playing the Warriors. He doesn't make them a better team against the Warriors. They're also not that team anymore. When they were, when Thompson was at his most effective, those lineups and rotations were quite different than what they're running out there now. Yeah. So a big man. That's why I don't really understand all these rumors about Marcus Saul coming or to trading for DeAndre Jordan. Right. That makes no sense right. to me. Why? Yeah, DeAndre Jordan is a great shot blocker. Um, do the Warriors come in the paint? Exactly. I, I mean, don't. I don't get it. I think a big guy kind of clogs what the Cavs are able to do. Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Jordan being in the paint eliminates 50% of what LeBron wants to do, 75% of what Dwayne Wade wants to do. And especially DeAndre Jordan really doesn't make sense over even Gasol because Jordan doesn't really leave the paint. Gasol can can spread it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like Gasol more than Thompson, but I don't think they're going to... The Grizzlies aren't going to trade Gasol. They just fired their coach because their coach didn't get along with Gasol. Right. If they had the intention of trading Mark Gasol, they would have kept Fisdale, who is a widely respected guy around the league. And almost everyone around the league, if you ask them, would say he's a great basketball mind. And everybody was pretty much shocked over that move. I mean, Ex- people were upset about that. Ex- exactly. Uh, namely, so, Fisdale's former players. And, people, and LeBron James. LeBron and, and Wade had and a lot Wade, to say and about Eric that. And Eric Spolcher. They right. all were glowing about him. So I think I don't think a Gasol trade's happening. I think they just need a I would love it if they could get um another wing player and a backup point guard for Tristan Thompson. I don't think they need to get a starter for Tristan Thompson necessarily because I don't know if he is a starter anymore. 
Yeah, right. on on this Cavs team. He's a starter in the NBA. I just don't know on this Cavs team if he's a starter anymore. And for those of you who have not yet heard this podcast, didn't know about this, I would pretty much, uh, anything that Aiden says, look out for it to happen. Because he called Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks like what, a I week think, and a half? No, maybe like a week. No, I think 24 hours. Was it 24 it hours? Yeah, I had heard, uh, we, there were no rumors about it. There was, and like, I said like, I that wanted was, it to happen. I mean, that was Aiden was sitting down and was like, you know, it would be cool. And then it just happened. So, you know, now I'm looking for, you know, when does Tristan Thompson get traded? <laughs> so they don't absolutely need a guy that is going to come and play 35 minutes for Tristan Thompson. I don't think they need that. And that's what people are looking for. But I don't know if that's where the value lies. The, in last, trading him. the last thing I'll say about the Cavs, though, is think of, you know, I don't know how much stock you put into the fact that LeBron is okaying all these transactions, but Tristan Thompson is very close with LeBron James, and he is what they're on the same management group. Right? Yeah, they share they share the same agent. They're best friends, not best friends, but they're very close friends. So I figure that's going to be that one might be tough, especially for a, a rookie GM and Kobe Altman to do something like that against his star player. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it should happen because. Tristan Thompson doesn't help them beat the Warriors. And and I, I do think, yeah, LeBron's very sentimental, and he, he likes playing with his friends, obviously. But I do also think he really wants he wants to win. He wants to be known as the greatest of all time, and I think if he realizes, he's and he's one of the smartest basketball players of all time, if he realizes that trading Tristan Thompson gives them a better chance to win a finals... I think I think he's okay with it. And also, I mean, who knows if he actually does approve every exactly. single trade. Right. Um, so moving on, number two, uh, we put Golden State here, but I mean, I, it's I'm comfortable. 1A and I was, 1B. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm comfortable saying 1A, 1B, Houston and Golden State. They're tearing it up. I mean, we've talked before about how Golden State can pretty much win at will. They have been dogged by injuries, and they're, they've still caught up to the Rockets, who had such a hot start. Um, as we talk right now, the Rockets still only have four losses in December, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, the Warriors, right? I mean, they've Draymond Green has rested a bit from injuries. Uh, Curry is out for a couple weeks with an ankle. Kevin um, Durant's had some injury problems, and he's he's back and pretty much, you know, he's in charge. <laughs> you know, he's leading while Curry's out. Um, but the Rockets are, I mean, they are just they're scoring at. A ridiculous rate. It's I mean, silly. It's, it's I, ridiculous. I just have to say, I was very, I said multiple times at the beginning of the season and before Chris Paul came back, I questioned if it was going to work. I mean, I didn't even question it. I, I straight up said it wasn't going to work. And they're absolutely making me look like a fool. They're, I mean, they're playing really well together as as a team and as individual players. And they're they're scoring well. They're playing solid defense. And they look scary. I still don't think they have any shot, but more power to them for 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 the production that they're putting up right now. I, like overall, I think right now uh, you have to put them number one in the power rankings because their production hasn't even dipped at I all. Mean, I mean, at all, their you know their plus minus rates are are, are insane right now. So, yeah. but I do think I do just have to say I'm just going to be a rocket hater all year. Okay, I. I I still think they're the third best team in the West. I don't think they. Oh, wow. I don't think they win in a series against the Warriors, and I don't think they win in a series against a healthy Spurs team. You you might be able to consider that a hot take because that 
in the West. Wow, that that actually surprises me. I think they're I, the third best team in the West, fourth best team in the NBA. I think right now, as a power ranking, yes, they're playing the best right. in the NBA right now. I'm just saying, when you look at teams, when I look at teams that by best, I mean chance to win the NBA Finals. I I'd put them at at number four. That's true. Yeah, I mean Houston hasn't really proven themselves ever yet, but they also have pretty much had a big change every offseason and they you know obviously built around James Harden but they continue to they've always been a very good offensive team so we'll see how far that carries them um I think they I still, they, they match up pretty well with anyone in the league so I think it would be interesting but we're pretty long ways away I mean from still that. my problem with Houston is can obviously they can score uh, no question about that they can score with anyone. My question with Houston is, can they make a crunch time stop? You know, final minute of the game, they're down by two and they need to stop the Warriors. Are they able to do that? And I don't see how they're how they're able to do that. So you you don't, you look at them as a hot scoring team without much grit. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they that could absolutely change. They could to, they could totally prove me wrong, like they've been doing so far this year. Okay, so interesting power rankings. Again, that's, yeah, that's for who looks hot right now, how they've performed so far this season. This isn't, you know, when we get down to the soul of the team. Um, but power rankings, number one, Houston, number two, Golden State, number three, Cleveland, number four, Boston, number five, San Antonio. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to try to get Matt LeVay on the line, and we're going to go into the college football playoffs and uh, talk about our predictions there and uh, our overall thoughts on that field. So stick around. We're back with the Mostly NBA podcast. Um, good looking at those power rankings, first of all. I think some interesting stuff there um, that, you know, I'm guessing is going to change because things are changing pretty quickly in the NBA week to week. Um, but now we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a step back from the NBA. It is college football playoff season. You Woo! know, we've gotten past the conference championships and uh, we're staring down the barrel at the top four teams um, in that field. We have uh, we have Matt LeVay with us on the phone. Matt wasn't able to be here in person, but uh, Matt, say hey. What's up, guys? What's up, Mostly NBA Podcast? Woo! All right, good to have Matt in here with us for this. Um, wanted to make sure he didn't miss uh, this little conversation we're about to have. So let's look at this field of four. Clemson Tigers, Oklahoma Sooners, Georgia Bulldogs, and the second SEC team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um a little bit of a controversial. It setup. was, but I'm I'm gonna um, go ahead and say that I think the committee got it exactly right. I don't Same. know. I agree. I don't know about the seating. I think that was you know that could have been you could have had Oklahoma one. You could you could have had Georgia one. No, um, I I agree. Honestly, I agree with every single thing. I agree with the seating. I agree with the teams that got in. I don't think it should have been any other way. Okay, so um, what we're gonna do is we are going to. I don't really want to touch too much on the Ohio State thing. I don't think they deserve to be in there. I mean, I think that Iowa loss was just unforgivable for Ohio State. Yeah, and I mean, I ta- I know a couple of Ohio State fans, and they are pretty upset about it and reading on Twitter and whatnot. They are upset about not getting in. Alabama getting in is the same thing that happened. That happened to Ohio right. State last year. Right. They didn't win their conference championship game. Penn State won the, the Big Ten title. Right. And Ohio State was put in in front of them. And I think Penn State was ranked five or six or so. 
at the end of the year. So not only do they not have an argument, but I think Penn State deserved it last year over Ohio State. In the s- same way, Alabama deserves it this year over yeah. Ohio State. Not because of anything Alabama did. It's because of what Ohio State didn't do. So Ohio State fans really can't complain at all because they got the benefit of the doubt last year. Right. And I mean, so and they they what they're mad about happening to them this year, they did to another team last year. So they can't really they can't really complain. Not only can they can't can they not complain, but I mean, do they do you think a two the two loss Ohio State team deserves to play for a championship? I think that that second loss they they played it away. I mean, they can't I agree. You know, I don't think you can expect much there. I think they got it exactly right putting Alabama in. Uh, Matt, let me get your thoughts on that real quick before we go into the um, actual matchup by matchup. Yeah, I thought it would come down to the wires. Obviously, between Ohio State and Bama, you could honestly, I would have been fine either way. Um, I still think at the end of the day, I agree with you guys. I, I think they got it right at the end of the day. That Iowa loss, you can't lose by that much to Iowa um, and expect to get in, or at least you know throw a pity party after that. Um, they put it on themselves. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you got a gun to my head right now, Alabama or Ohio State, I'm taking Alabama any day. End of story. Right, and I think Nick Saban had an interesting, um, you know, they, they interviewed Nick Saban about it, and then they played those words for Urban Meyer. And, you know, both coaches pretty much were just saying they're going to stick up for their team. But Nick Saban said this team deserves a chance to play in this playoff. They did lose the one game. Um but you, you know it's funny. Every though, team lost the one game. You know it's funny though. I did see someone put together. Uh, I saw these two clips of last year. Nick Saban was talking about the college football playoff, and he said, "I don't think a team that doesn't win their conference championship game deserves to be in the college football playoff." And then this year, he then said, "Our team deserves to be in the college I mean, football playoff, even though we didn't win our conference championship." Yeah, game. I mean the coaches are pretty. Much, they're going to say they're whatever. Say whatever, whatever pertains to them. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and I don't think he's wrong for doing that. Obviously, and I do think that they deserve to be in the playoff this year. But still, I do think it's funny that it was that exact opposite. So I've talked about these matchups so far with a couple people, and I, I've gotten pretty much different opinions on every single facet of these matchups. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm not necessarily going to pick yet. I think what we should do is is talk about each one, and then uh, then we can make our predictions towards the end. Let's start with the 1-4 game, the Clemson versus Alabama national semifinal, which is a rematch of the last two national championships. I mean, what a great semifinal. That, that is great. I mean, that's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to both of these games, and I, it's good that I can't pick which one I want to watch more because both have great storylines going in. I mean... You know, this Alabama team that controversially got into that fourth spot, but, you know, this is the third straight year that these two have played each other in such a high-stakes game. You know, it's the first year that Deshaun Watson has not been uh, featured in this matchup. You know, you look at Clemson's suffocating defense. You look at Alabama, how they pretty much rolled over everybody until they got to Auburn. You know, they had a little bit of a scare at Mississippi State. But um, I think it's it's interesting to see this matchup this year. Um, and... I don't know. I mean, Aiden, what do you what do you think? I, I think this is a matchup of t- certainly two of the best four teams in the nation. Absolutely. I do think, though, that this is the worst Alabama team we've seen in the last four or five years. Um, it's just not the same. I mean, yeah, they, they dominated everyone until Mississippi State and Auburn, but they didn't really play anyone, and that was kind of why some people didn't want them to be the fourth seed. Is I mean, yeah, they tried to schedule good games. I mean, they scheduled Florida State week one in Florida state turned out to be terrible, but, um, it's tough. I mean, I'm never going to bet against a Nick Saban team. I'm just not going to do it. 
especially an underdog Nick Saban team, that's, I mean, that's just, that's a recipe for them dominating you. And I want no part of that. However, I do think Clemson has been playing better, but I, I don't, it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I, I honestly have no clue how this shakes out. Clemson is, is very hot right now. And I think that's dangerous. But like you said, I think Alabama is trying to prove themselves, which is also very dangerous. You you touched on saying that you think Alabama is the worst that they've been out of these three matchups. Is that because they're the most beatable, or do you think the talent isn't as as you know present as it was the last two years? I would say both. I mean, oh, okay. I think that they're the. I think yeah, I'd say both. Okay, um, Matt, let, let me get your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think it's all at the end of the day going to have to come down to Kelly Bryant and this Alabama defense. I mean, what's the thing in the past? When you when you face a team like Alabama, you got to have that X factor guy, what the Johnny Manziel, you know, something like that. Deshaun Watson, point in case last year, that can move the ball against him, that can spread him out. Um, and Kelly can do that, but he's still young, so that's I think going to be the biggest uh, factor and determinant in this game is how that's going to play up in that matchup. At the end of the day, guys, if you give Nick Saban this much time to prepare, and especially I like the point that you said, Aiden, and almost an underdog role it seems. Uh, I don't see any way. Um, well, I, mean, I think it'll still be close, but at the end of the day, I just can't bet against Nick Saban with that much time. Yeah, Matt, I'm going to agree with you. Um, since I've I've been thinking about this game, you know, a lot since it was first, uh, you know, announced that this was going to be the matchup, and it's it's a really interesting matchup. It's one that, like like I said, out of the three times that they've met, this is I think the most interesting one because it's new. Something about it is very new, and. Um, I think it's new because Alabama isn't there's not a little number one next to their team name and they've had you know a, a more difficult road I guess to get back into this discussion you know they had to have certain teams lose and all that and Clemson pretty much rolled all season but I'm, I'm with you Matt I think Alabama wins the game I just don't see you know a, a team that's trying to prove themselves like Alabama someone that you know they might have felt a little bit embarrassed by not even being in that title game and you know having to basically have their fans begging the committee to let them in to, you know, have Nick Saban saying, you know, we deserve a chance, give us a chance. I don't see Alabama playing down or something like that. I mean, I think I, I, I just think it's really interesting because I think Clemson also isn't as good as the last couple of times that they've met up. I think both of these teams are worse teams than they've been the past two years. I'm not saying they're bad teams. They're obviously still great, great teams. I, I just, I think it's really interesting. The, the level of parity amongst the top five or six teams in college football this year. I don't think there's any one dominant team that you can say, yes, that's the team I want to go with. And look at Clemson, though. It's definitely worth noting. You know, they had what Heisman winner Deshaun Watson last year. Um, and to go, to lose that kind of caliber quarterback and have, you know, a guy like Kelly Bryant, you know, in his first year running the offense, and they're the number one team, the number one seed in the college football playoff. That says a lot about Clemson. They they are, they've gotten to the point where they're a program that's always reloading and is expected to be there. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I'm just picking Alabama for this game. I, I think that they come out and they, uh, you know, have a chip on their shoulder. Okay, let's go over to that Oklahoma Georgia matchup. I'm so excited for this game because this is the kind of game between two teams that really, you know, we've seen the Clemson Alabama games. We haven't seen Oklahoma and Georgia play in a high stakes game. I mean, this is something totally new. Um, you've got Baker Mayfield, who was an absolute stud this year, the quarterback for Oklahoma, who definitely rubs some people the wrong way. I think he's a better 
more likable version of Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Honestly, I love Baker Mayfield, love watching him play. It's going to be extremely hard to bet against him. But then you've got Georgia, who under Kirby Smart has crafted this ferocious defense. And, you know, this is a team that is, I think, way ahead of their years. Nobody expected them to get to this point this quickly, which is very scary. You know, they've got a freshman quarterback in Fromm who, you know, is totally in control without getting too flustered of that offense. Um, a devastating running game with uh, Michelle and Chubb. This is a very interesting matchup. you got to look at, is Baker Mayfield going to be enough to power the Oklahoma offense past the possible failures of the Oklahoma defense against such a great offensive attack um, like Georgia has? So it, I think it's definitely going to be about who scores the most before time is up. And, um, you know, looking at the defenses, it, it's hard to bet against Baker Mayfield, but I'm going to go with Georgia in this game. Uh, Aiden, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I actually, I'm intrigued by this game. I think this game's a blowout. Uh-oh. I, I'm not saying... I think no matter which way it goes, it's going to be 40 to 10. Okay. See, this is something that came up in one of my discussions with someone, actually, was I can see this game being a blowout for either team, but I can also see it being a close game. But if it's going to be close, it's going to be high scoring, I think. If it's, I think if it's close, uh, George is winning. But I think, I think it's going to be a blowout either 40 to 10, George's way, because Baker Mayfield has never played against a defense this good. Oklahoma's never played against a defense this good. Georgia's just going to run all over them, run for 250, 300 yards, and, and it's just going to be disgusting. Or Oklahoma's just going to throw all over Georgia, and Georgia isn't going to be able to score. I think we saw – here's what I think Georgia has going for them. I think we've seen their weakest game already. They got pretty much exposed by Auburn the first week they were at number one. And what did they do? They came back and absolutely dominated Auburn in that SEC championship game. I think they got their loss out of the way. I do think that that's Auburn played Georgia, Alabama, Georgia. I don't care who you are. That's tough. That's a tough three-game stretch. I mean, I, I think that that has to play some part in it. I mean, these are still... 18, 19, 20-year-old 20 20 guys playing three straight games against top five teams. I get that two of those two of those games were the same team. That's that's incredibly tough. I mean, Auburn definitely had a lot to go through, but I mean, it, it shook out how it did. I mean, I I, I yeah, think, and, yeah. now, and now Georgia's ha- is going to have saying, a I lot think, of rest. I I and I understand that. I'm just saying, I think that that takes away from that. St- that Georgia win a little bit, not in the sense of where they should be ranked or anything. I think in the sense of how much value you put into how impressive a win it was. Just simply just because Auburn's playing the third straight game against the top five ranked team. Okay. Well, what I was mostly getting at, what wasn't as much of the, you know, back to back to back that you were looking at. It's more of, I think Georgia has seen their defense break down now. And I think that it's it's obviously going to be tough against, you know, a devastating Oklahoma offensive attack. But, I mean, I, I think Georgia's able to withstand it. I think they're able to hang in there. They've got one of the fastest defenses in the country, if not the fastest defense in the country. I mean, those guys swarm to the ball. And, um, you know, the defensive backs are top-notch. I mean, yeah, I, and that, I, that whole and defense. And I agree. And I would, I'm leaning, I would absolutely lean towards Georgia blows out Oklahoma. And I... I could be totally wrong. It could be a close game, but I think Georgia blows out Oklahoma. I'll be absolutely rooting for Oklahoma, but yeah, if I if I'm if I'm betting in this game, I'm taking Georgia. Matt, what do you think? 
this is obviously the most intriguing matchup, I'd say, too. In a sense of, look, neither one of these teams has faced, like, the same exact team that they're about to face in the sense of this is a completely different monster for either one of these teams. you got the most dangerous quarterback going up against, although they were exposed in the Auburn game in a sense, uh, there was a lot of special teams mishaps, and the defense still didn't, they weren't as bad as, as you would put it out, but that, that's a solid defense that Georgia has. Um, obviously, you already know that Sonia Michelle and Nick Chubb, those guys are going to run the ball. And I think the weakest part, honestly, in this game is that Oklahoma defense, they've been exposed on numerous occasions. Um, I don't have a whole lot of faith in them, but I certainly got a lot of faith in Baker and his ability to throw the ball. This one is such a toss-up, guys. I could honestly see this going either way. Um, in situations like that, I typically like to lead it towards uh, the better defense, which in my opinion is Georgia. But I don't know as far as quarterback matchup. I think Baker just has that much of an edge over Jake. And when it comes down to it, you're going to have to have that quarterback down the stretch that's going to come through clutch, and I would give the edge to Oklahoma. I think I, I I just really feel like Baker. I mean Baker's great, and obviously he just won the Heisman. But I feel like he's going to have to throw the ball fifty times this game, which is never good against a great defense. You never want you never want a good defense to know you're going to be throwing the ball. And I and I think and I think George is going to just run ram the ball constantly down their throats and keep Baker Mayfield off the field. And, and I think they're just going to keep him off the field, pound it, pound it, pound it. And, and let their defense do their thing. And I, I, I really think that that'll take Baker out of his rhythm. He won't really be able to get anything going, and Georgia's just going to run all over them. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree to that point, but couldn't you almost flip that on the other side? You know Georgia's going to, all they're going to do, Kirby Smart the whole season, their whole offense is centered around shoving it down your throat, running the ball. So Oklahoma could almost have that same exact argument and just stack the box the whole game and try to shut that down in the course of, freshman true freshman quarterback to try and throw against you you know so I feel like that can go either way as well but I yeah I, I agree but I, I also think I don't know if Oklahoma's defense is even good enough to do that even if they know that they're going to run the ball and it's not you know they have the running attack Georgia but from from has been Frump's been very good. very yeah. good throwing the ball I mean so. he's not special he hasn't done anything amazing or special but he's done his job I think the way that it stacks up because of the weakness defensively that Matt mentioned in Oklahoma, I think if if Oklahoma's going to win the game, they have to score a lot of points. And I trust them to do that less because of Georgia's defense than I do with them to stop Georgia's offense, if that makes sense. I think if there's a, a team capable of shutting the other down, it's Georgia shutting down Oklahoma. And because Oklahoma's defense uh, isn't as good as I don't think they're good enough to stop Georgia's offense. So I, I think when you're looking at that, that's the biggest key for me is Oklahoma's defense. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm taking Georgia to win this game. Uh, do you guys have any any closing thoughts on this? Wait, um, so are we predicting a Georgia Alabama All SEC Championship? I game? think it's going to be Georgia Alabama. Yes, I mean Matt, right. Matt, you've got Oklahoma, right? Yeah, I would say at the end of the day, I, I think so. I think they'll pull it out. So, so Clemson's got to got to hate us. We're we're all picking against and Clemson. And obviously, since we're all picking Alabama, that means Clemson's gonna win. It'll be Clemson, Oklahoma for sure yeah. now. But I I think if we're looking at if we're looking at an Alabama Georgia matchup That'd in the championship game, it would also be kind of cool. I mean, uh, yeah, media I, will absolutely love it. But I, I personally, I would, I would be a little distant. I, obviously, I'd watch it. And it'd be awesome. But I'd. I think it'd be a little lame and I'd be a little disinterested in it because but we also haven't seen that matchup yet. Yeah, that's true, but still, I mean, it's like I don't know. It just doesn't get me excited, you know? It makes me be like, "Oh, cool." 
Yeah, I think I, I, de- I definitely hope one of the I would, I SEC w- teams doesn't win. I think that would be more intriguing to see it. You know, a championship. honestly, I mean, it sucks. I wish we could have had an Alabama Clemson final part three. That would get I me. I don't. That would get me excited. I don't. I'm glad they're. You don't they're want the trilogy. Not re- well. We already kind of have it. They're playing each other again. Yeah, I mean, but it's a semifinal. It's not the final. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's good because they not only we, you get the best of both worlds. They play again, but then that's also you get to see somebody else play the winner of that for the championship. Yeah. So here's the question that I'm going to pose to you guys: Does an SCC school win the national championship? Uh, who knows? My gut says yes. Your gut says yes. I would. I mean. Th- Percentage-wise, they obviously have the highest chance too because they have two teams in there. I, I mean, I think we're probably discounting Clemson a little too much. Personally, I'd say Oklahoma has a zero percent chance to win the championship. It's wow, not, that it's, that's a hot take. It's not happening. They, I get it. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's fantastic. Whip de doo. It's not happening. I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna if Oklahoma wins the championship and we come back you after New totally Year's for an episode. You can totally replay this to me. That's gonna be the beginning of the episode. Okay, <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> Oklahoma has zero chance to win this championship. They're not beating. They're not beating Georgia and then also either uh, Alabama Clemson or Clemson. Alabama, yeah. It's not happening. I'm sorry. Their defense is not good enough. Baker Mayfield can't successfully throw the ball back to back games against three great defenses. Whichever defense he ends up playing in the final, if they somehow beat Georgia, it's just—I mean, it's a huge test for Baker Mayfield. They're they're too one-dimensional. We'll, and we'll see what kind of what kind of player he is in, in these if, huge games. I mean, if, he's been great so far. I mean, if he comes out, plays great, and they win the championship, he's going to go in the top fifteen or twenty in the draft. I want him on the Browns. That's off the record. Ew, oh my god, off that's the record. Disgusting. Off the record. It would ruin his career, but off the record, I want. It him. would. It would just set the Browns back two years. Yeah. Well, okay. Matt, you said um, your gut goes with yes for the SEC school. Uh, can you give us any more on that? Well, in a sense, just because one thing I've learned over the years, never bet against Nick Saban. That's that's just one thing I've learned over the years, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, like it or not, you might not like their offense as much. You might think their defense is down, but I, I just I can't bet against Nick Saban in big games. I just can't do it. So that's what my gut tells me. All right, well, it should be a very exciting uh college football playoff i'm really excited for it those are going to be two great semifinal games um and then when we reconvene for this next episode it'll likely be after the the championship has already been played um because we're about to be leaving here uh for our break so it's going to be a lot to look out for um yeah i'm just really excited i'm really excited about that georgia oklahoma game that's that's something that really intrigues me it's going to be a blowout you're going to turn it off midway through the second quarter i I just really hope oklahoma wins the championship now so that i can play that sound bite (laughs) (laughs) it's not you know i feel totally comfortable because i'm positive it's not happening okay well i like that all right um we're gonna take another quick break and we'll be back to wrap it up wrapping up here uh pretty shortly but we're back here with the mostly nba podcast episode three um before we end it i wanted to touch on a couple of fringe teams in the nba um we don't really have any hot takes for you right now we didn't think it'd be right to do that without matt here so we're gonna just go ahead and look at a couple teams that deserve to be talked about but weren't in those top of the rankings and these were teams that were pretty much left out just by a little bit so first i want to ask you about the toronto raptors they have very quietly no one has talked about them but they have very quietly gotten back to where they are which is you know a top three team in the east they have had a really good stretch recently i think they've won eight or nine of their last ten so the raptors are are right back in it 
Um, Aiden, what do you have for me on Toronto? Do you think they can sustain this? Yeah. Uh, they're Toronto. Exactly. I, I think that's about they'll, what they are. They'll they, be a three or four seed. Good they'll, regular season team. They'll lose in the second round. Right. You know. good, good regular season team. They'll advance. But I always feel bad watching those Toronto playoff games because they have such a passionate, great fan base who's they'll, there to show up for them. And they are never going to, this team is never going to win a championship. I mean, they'll take the Cavs or Celtics to six games. It'll be nice. Someone will question if if they'll somehow beat LeBron in the second round. Yeah, and, here, be and a here's story here's line. my mini philosophical question for you: If you're a Toronto Raptors fan, number one, do you know that that's all you have? And number two, is that a, an era that you can look back on fondly, or is it a, like more of a man? We really we really could have done more. I mean, that's tough. Uh, I think obviously, if you're a fan, you have an irrational belief that you can win a championship no matter what. At the start of every single season, Browns fans think that they can somehow make the playoffs. I don't know what Browns fans you've been talking to. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, yeah, you have to have a sense of a rational belief that you can beat anyone if you're a true fan of a team. Um, and I think you have to look back semi-fondly, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry five, ten years from now. But, I mean, yeah, they're, and I think that's why not a whole lot of people are talking about them is because they are what they are. They've been what they are for the last three or four years. Everyone knows what they are. They're not a shock. They're not a surprise. They're going to finish anywhere from the three to five range, and they'll lose in the second round. Like That's almost as close as you can get to a guarantee the last three years in the NBA. They'll finish in the three to five range and lose in the second round. I think because Toronto is so, you know, like I said, their fans are so good. They're also just, they're good basketball fans. So I don't think it's lost on any of them that, yeah, their their team is really good and not good enough. They, They... got good in an era where LeBron James was in his prime and the Golden State Warriors were around. So I don't think that they actually have any expectation to win the finals. What I do think is that they expect their team to always compete, and I think they'll be able to look back on this era fondly. But yeah, that, that, that's about where I stand on it. I think they're enjoying what they have because the Raptors are never usually this good. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to enjoy it if you're a fan, go out to the games, have a good time. But if they somehow got anywhere past the second round, I'd be... I'd be utterly shocked. I think something bad would have to happen to one of the top teams for that to happen. Yeah. Um. So the other thing I'll say about Toronto, though, is there, there's uncertainty in the East this year. I think la- the last couple of years has been, you know, you've known who the Cavs are. I mean, I don't know if there's uncertainty. Well, there's Okay, I'll say this. I would still Th- say... There are a yeah, few the- changes. Yeah, okay, yeah, there's changes. I would Cleveland just- and Boston are both new teams. They're both very yeah. good, but they're both new yeah. teams. So I yeah, think Toronto I'd fans might... That. The hope that they might have is that are these teams new enough that we'll be able to match up with them come playoff time. No. I just, no, I don't think they will. But I mean, um no. They're just a me- I, my opinion of the Raptors is how I would feel about a Georgia Alabama championship. Okay. Game. Okay, He's you know, a, it's, it's a very meh. It's like, yeah. Okay. You'll, you'll watch it, but yeah. I'm not going to be too excited. It's like, okay. All right, so you want an exciting team? I just pointed at him. For those of you who can't watch us, I'm pointing at Aiden. Your exciting team, the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm so high on them. I think Giannis is the MVP right now. And I think I predicted the trade of the year. He predicted the trade of the year. I've got them in my top four at the end of the season. I think the Bucks are an exciting young team. I think they'll be the three seed by the end of the year. There's another hot take. Okay, you are filling in on all of our missing <laughs> hot takes this, this episode. All right. Milwaukee. I'm obviously the, excited about him. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Eric Bledsoe is working out really well there. They're a much better team since they added Eric Bledsoe. Um, and I, I'm excited about them. Giannis is absolutely phenomenal. Giannis is incredible. I think as of right now, he'd be second in MVP MVP voting behind LeBron. Um, 
I think the only reason he wouldn't be first is because they're the fourth seed in the East. You know, they're not high enough up for me to uh, give him that. But, I mean, he's playing incredible, and I think they're a really exciting team. And I think of the next once, I mean, who knows how much longer LeBron's going to be incredible for. He's in his 15th year. He's playing arguably the best year of his career statistically, which is just stupid. And I don't get how he's doing that. But, I mean, say five years from now, I think that they're really well set up to be a top team in the East along with Boston and the Philadelphia 76ers. I think those are the three teams that whenever LeBron declines, which is probably, you know, 20, 30 years from now, right? Uh, they're they're in a good position. I mean, for, watch what will happen. Somehow Kyrie Irving will retire before LeBron does. The dude's just a machine. So, I mean, I think... I have heard a lot of talk of people talking about, oh, the Celtics are set up well for after LeBron. The Sixers are looking good for after LeBron. No one knows when that is. Like, you have to plan for beating LeBron now because no one knows when that's going to be. LeBron hasn't even slowed down a step statistically. He could be playing at this same level for the next five or six years. In five or six years, you might have lost all the guys on your roster. So there's a whole lot of talk. I know I started this sentence, this very long sentence, with Milwaukee is set up well for after LeBron, and I'm going back on that. I don't know where I'm going with this. You don't know when after LeBron is. I think that's exactly. a good point to make. But I, I, I agree with your original point <laughs> from that sentence. I think, okay, nobody... I, you made a good point. Nobody knows when the end of LeBron is, but you would think that it has to be within the next five years. At least he starts slowing down enough to the point where I, Cleveland I, won't be as dominant. I feel like saying you'd think it has to be is a stretch. Nothing I, I think has, it has to be. Nothing has to be anything. People five years ago thought thought Tom Brady was going to retire in five years. Now the guy's 40 and hasn't Look, missed a step. Either could happen, but I would go on the side of I mean, yeah, I would, he's got to have a decline, a I, somewhat of a decline in the next five years. Absolutely, I would lean towards it. I wouldn't say it has to be. Okay, well, in in, in what I'm saying, that he will. My next point is that, is that I, hot, I, think, I feel like that's a hot take, guaranteeing LeBron will decline. I want no part of that. I want. I, no, I want no part of it. I want but no I, part I, of a guarantee of LeBron's decline. The dude's a machine. So you think in the next five years from now, you don't think his statistics will drop at all? <laughs> I'm not saying they won't. I would lean towards... That, that's more of a hot take than mine. <laughs> I would lean towards that his statistics would. However, I want no part of a guarantee saying that they will. Sign right here. <laughs> I, I want no part guaranteeing that LeBron's going to drop off. I want no part in saying LeBron will drop off statistically 15 years from now. I want oh, no man. part of it. Okay. Until he, if, if Tilly has a single like forty game stretch of a drop off, I want no part of anything. Okay, LeBron's well, amazing. I want no part of saying he's not, or won't be, anytime in the near future. I don't know how we went from talking about the Bucks to this, but this is where well, we're I'll, at. I'll, I'll I'll bring it back. For the sake of my argument, LeBron's going to decline at some point. I uh, think that debatable. The, I think that the Bucks are set up about as well as you can be for that because of what you were saying because they're young and they've already got this talent and they've shown it i think right now they're better than the minnesota timberwolves in a faster amount of time and people are talking about it way less i think that the wolves are also on the upswing 
they're preparing for you know i think they'll be there when golden state finally declines which also could be never but i golden think golden state's decline is going to be much sooner than people think you think so absolutely because kd I mean, he's going to have to get a max contract. I mean, he has the player option, which he's going to opt out of, and who knows when he'll eventually take the five-year deal, five-year super max. But whenever that happens, I mean, Iguodala is declining, so they're. I mean, he's not going to be the same player in a year or two. Sean Livingston's declining. Dream. All you need is a core there. Uh, yeah, but but Clay's going to leave in a year or two, because they can't pay Clay, Durant, and Steph the max. They can't do it. So Clay's going to be gone. And then Draymond's going to be gone in two years also because he'll also be able to get the max and you can't play pay three players the max. So either KD and Draymond have to take huge pay cuts while Steph got the max, which is possible, but I doubt it. I mean, KD took a pay cut this offseason, but that was on a, essentially a one-year deal to allow Iggy and Livingston to yeah, resign. It, it would be pretty drastic pay to cuts. To take a five-year right. pay cut? That's a totally, totally different thing. And that's, you know, you go from talking, you know, one year, let's try and win a championship to for the next how you're five setting years. yourself up yeah. as a human being. Exactly. So, yeah, and I think I, that's so too big. That's too much to ask for. The Warriors are only locked in for this year and next year. Beyond that, it's highly questionable their future. And, and, uh, well, then even better for Minnesota, because if we're expecting them to mature as fast as we hope they do, then maybe that will come in the next two years while Golden State is on the decline. So we'll, that's something, you know, definitely to watch for. I mean, it's obviously a very long-term kind of thing to watch for. Yeah, I mean, we're talking in the future here. Uh, but I do think it's interesting how people aren't really talking about how this Warriors window is closing a little bit. Um, that, that's interesting, and that's something I definitely want to talk about. We'll talk about it in a late, future episode. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, I mean, the Warriors really do, I mean, unless people take major pay cuts, they have this year and next year. That's it. Wow. Okay, this is interesting. I definitely want to get back to this. Um, but back to the, the final Milwaukee Bucks point. They're with Minnesota and Philadelphia, I think. And they're, they, they are behind they, Boston, though, in the future. They're behind Boston. Boston's getting there, and maybe too quickly, but almost not because— Because they're so it, young. They're so, but because they're, and they're also so good. Yeah. They're way ahead of those other teams. So they're pretty much at where the other teams are trying to get to, almost. So, yeah, Boston's ahead of them. But I, I think when— you're looking to time things right. Those three teams, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Milwaukee, have it timed up pretty well where their talent's going to be coming on as the rest of the league's talent, you know, the, the current top talent might be declining. Yeah. So that's something to say about the Bucks. I think all that's exciting. Um, I think the Celtics are exciting. All those teams we talked about in the top five, it's going to be interesting oh, to look at. Just before we go, I do, uh, we don't need to talk about them. I just want to quickly mention the Indiana Pacers and Victor Oladipo have been balling out Amazing. recently. Amazing. Uh, incredible i don't know what they're doing i don't know know how they're doing it we're not going to get in depth on them if they keep playing really well we'll talk more about them when we get back from the break uh but you should watch them if you haven't because they're fun to watch definitely giving them props because they that is a team that plays very hard and nobody absolutely zero people expected them to be where they are right now everybody expected a major drop off and possibly a lottery team they have not been that so the fifth seed in the east right now so interesting you know development with the indiana pacers um major props because I mean, I mean I, what I, that, the, that's crazy. Yeah. They've been playing very well. Um, so, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, we'll see how this all changes. I'm excited to watch the college football playoff. Excited to see if uh, we can use that soundbite of Aiden uh, dissing Oklahoma. Um, it's not happening. 
All right. Well, for the absent Matt LeVay and Aiden Darwin, I'm Michael Higgins. Uh, this has been Season 2, Episode 3 of the Mostly NBA Podcast, and we'll talk to you in 2018. Happy holidays. Woo.